Welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, and life itself. We're your hosts, Helge Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sitarani Palomar. I'm so excited about today's show. After 30 years of playing soccer, I won several awards for the tightest hamstrings in Germany and here in the United States, and through friends found the wonderful world of yoga. Yoga? Yes. Today's show is dedicated to demystifying yoga. Whether you are a beginner, have never tried it, or are practicing yoga regularly, this hour is for you. Yoga demystified today on An Organic Conversation. You know, there's a perception, I think, that yoga is really exclusive or very alternative. But in the years that I've been practicing, I've observed how many different types of people come to yoga and the different reasons they come to yoga. And I really think that yoga will meet you wherever you are. And I'm excited to kind of peel away those layers of mystery for our audience today. It's interesting that you say that because I <laughs> that it'll meet you Here wherever comes you a personal are. Story. But, but it, no, it's both <laughs> things because I I've recently started telling people that I've started doing Bikram yoga and they and they talk about well what are you practicing and it's like uh, Bikram yoga <laughs> and and it's like I don't know if it's Ashwasha or uh, Agra Prana. All of it, really, and, it's and all of so, it. So so I, I just haven't been in that part of it but the, the thing that i can say is meeting me where i am is that is exactly what i felt when i the very first day i walked in the studio it's like okay i don't know anything i'm here with a mat it's 105 degrees everybody looks pretty good except for oh there's a guy who's 80 and there's a guy and there's a woman who's 60 over and who's here. that guy in the mirror oh that's oh, and me who's that guy in the mirror <laughs> that's right that's right and all of a sudden it's like oh this 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 feels okay and it was pre- it's 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 really great about letting you find yourself in that space. And it's been th- what three months? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Four. And not in. And I'm still working on getting regular with it. You know, with my travel schedule. So. Sure. But yeah, it shows. Actually. It really does, Mark. Yeah, demystifying yoga today on an organic conversation. But first, the world of green living and sustainability. Um, public transportation is coming to the United States. <laughs> For the first Hooray. time ever. <laughs> <laughs> Orlando. Well, I, I, I think it is here, Helga. It just may not just appear that way sometime. But I love that. A, a privately funded train linking Miami with Orlando. That's, what, 300 miles? That's about the distance between Hamburg and Paris in Germany, which is as fast as boarding a plane, sitting in security, all that. And price-wise, it can compete. And Oh, boy, if you've ever really traveled in a train, it's so delightful. The nature flies by. You're very fast. You can walk around. There's a restaurant on the train. Really, I I preferred much, much over plane travel if I have the alternative. We just don't. Yeah, it's something that we actually don't do much of in the States as Compared culture, to Europe, yes. yeah. Mark, you, you fly nonstop. I, I mean, how has nonstop. the summer been? <laughs> <laughs> delay, delay, uh, it's, delay. It, it's interesting. Uh, I've flown my uh, a millionth mile, and I've uh, also had a delay nearly every single flight I've been on this summer. And, you know, when I was in Sydney, I was taking the ferry to work, and I realized, oh, this is a really civilized way to travel. Yes. And and then when I've taken the train, when I was in Europe, I, I took the train and I've taken it a few other times up and down the East Coast. And I was like, wow, this is people can, you know, get to and fro this way. If I could go to all of my jobs via a train or a ferry or, or a bicycle, I would certainly do it. That's for sure. Yes. Well, and I find it interesting in the news piece that they say it's it's a little bit less, like an hour less than if you were to just drive it yourself. And I think for some people, they might think, well, that's not that much of a savings. But think about more than just the time level. savings. Yes. Yeah, the stress savings, but also the environmental tax on it. You know what I mean? If yes. we have all of those cars driving separately versus going via train, it's doing a lot more than just saving you an hour. And the risk of accidents and you know traffic congestion, like all, all of it, the whole world. Train, you board, you sit, you walk, and you're there. Wonderful. And it's privately funded. Mark, you had a point there when we well, discussed the news. Uh, yeah, I remember that uh, several years ago when the <laughs> Giants couldn't get a stadium pass publicly, in which I was glad that didn't happen because if you're not a big baseball fan, you shouldn't have to pay for it. And they brought a bunch of private investors together and created AT&T Park. And yes. so I think in, in there are certain cases where private investment can really um, pay off for the public good. Yeah, education and health care and maybe the parks, thats that should come out of our pockets. All of us, the rest is so specific of what you like. Let's pay for it and make it work. Yes, go Florida, go public transportation. Now 
in the United States near you. We'll love it. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Coming to a state near you. Yes, you're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And talking about fairies and everything else. Coming up is our conversation about yoga demystified only here on an organic conversation today. That and more when we come back. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Our topic today is yoga, demystified. We are heading into the fall. Kids are back in school. It's the year of extreme heat throughout the country. It's the year in which the U.S. is one of the last democracies on this planet will hopefully adapt a law that requires the labeling of genetically engineered foods and so much more. We're heading into fall and what follows are the holidays This is a time of harvest, but also often a time of year-end frenzy in this bubbling, fast-paced world. How can we stay centered in the craziness of life? What if our calm and happiness was only a few feet away? Can we find ourselves every day by spending an hour on a piece of rubber the size of a single bed? We're stretching our bodies and our minds today to stretch our perspective. We're demystifying yoga. Our topic in this week's episode of An Organic Conversation, and with us now, here in the studio, is Pete Guinoso, well-known yoga instructor throughout the United States and the world who teaches around the world and is based in the San Francisco Bay Area, who's joining us here in the studio. Pete, thanks for being with us today. That's quite an introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's good yes. to be here. Well, you have just come back from, I believe, China, right? I was in Asia. Hong Kong, traveling through Hong Kong, and got a chance to teach at the Asia Yoga Conference. Great time there. Yes, we want to hear about your international travels <laughs> and teaching and how yoga is becoming a cultural exchange. Mm. But let's start with, it's so much more than just the body. It's Yoga is really, it's about the mind, it's about focused, it's about stretching. Can you walk us through the world and, and disciplines of yoga? What's, what's part of, what does it mean when somebody says, I do yoga? Well, there's, as you talked about, there's, yoga goes back 5,000 years. And it starts off with a structure of, of breath, meditation, and asanas or poses or exercises. And so if we're moving off of that structure, most yoga classes, in fact, all yoga classes have some type of component on that. It might be a focus of meditation. It might be a focus of uh, breath. It might be a focus of asana, but all of them have some type of component of those three basic foundation structures. So breath, watching your breathing, yes. meditation, sitting in quiet posture, mm -hmm. and then exercises, which brings up the yoga studio, the yoga yep. world, how people would perceive it. So when people think of yoga, they oftentimes, they just think about that studio experience. Mm -hmm. But we're now understanding yoga is much more. And in a way, it's it's kind of like a state of being. Can you tell us, you said it's 5,000 years old, but can you tell us about the history of yoga, the meaning of yoga, mm. and why it was founded in the first place? Okay. How did this all start? Yeah. Do you, you guys have about 12 <laughs> hours? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's going to be a mini-series. And, <laughs> and that's actually why 
I love yoga so much. You know, I, I can focus on the asanas. And the, when you first start off with yoga, you focus on the asanas. And there is, the, you can spend a, a lifetime. The, po- focus, the postures. Yes, right. Postures. Thank you, the poses, Thank the exercises. You. I could spend a whole lifetime focusing on those, that aspect of yoga. And then, oh, wait, now there's uh, 5,000 years of philosophy that I want to focus on. Or there's, you know, there's all this breath work that I want to focus on. Or how do I meditate? I could focus a lifetime on meditation. Or the science of yoga, the Ayurvedic proportion of yoga. You know, I, I liken yoga, if you want to kind of break it down, I liken yoga to a, a bunch of really amazing people that kind of looked and said, hey, we want to kind of have a better kind of life. And what do we do with that? How do we approach that? And they were observing, like, the Buddha was one of the first yogis out there. You know, he came after yoga. Yoga predates the Buddha. And he was one of the first people out there to just start to observe, kind of, okay, if I focus on these poses, I feel better. If I focus on this breath, I bring life into my body. I bring life in a different way. And the yogis believe that we're each, we're all born with a certain amount of breaths. And if we elongate our breaths that we can live longer. And you know, it's interesting to listen to you say that because one of the first times I was in the studio, I was looking around at everybody to make sure I was doing uh, <laughs> everything right. Everything right. <laughs> and she just gently walked over to me and she said, she, she said, look in the mirror. Yeah. And she said, this is the only person that you have to even <laughs> think about right now. And just do what you can and yeah. pay attention to, you know, in what what we're doing. No one else matters right yeah. here. And it's just like, oh, okay, that's yeah. e- I can do that. Yeah. It was it was it was really quite a moving uh, moment for me. Which is a great point you're bringing up, Mark. It makes it so much easier and it makes it so much harder when you do that, right? Because we are a culture, especially here in the United mm. States, that looks for, you know, appreciation from the outside, that looks as confirmation from the outside. Everything is about perfect body image, the perfect whatever it may be. Yoga is actually inviting you to do the opposite, to shut all that out. And whether it be on the mat or sitting in meditation, it's that time with you. And and that's all that is, right? That's maybe the, the easier part, even though it's not easy to get into that space. But what you find might not be easy to deal with. Mm. How can you... Well, and to elaborate on that comment, I, I think that's a really powerful comment. Most of us are not living our truth. We're living the, the expectations of our parents, of our religion, of our society, of our community, of our, our country, and how powerful it is for us then to take, take a gaze within and begin to make choices based upon our truth and not other people's truth. And the quote that I say to my students is, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are, which I think is a nice nin quote. And so yoga is a way for us to take the gaze within and begin to follow our truths and, and to, to observe our truths that come up. Because most of us are focused on the past or the future, and very rarely are we focused on the present. And that's what yoga does. It gives us a present moment-to-moment experience where the truth is really happening. And that's Pete Guinoso in today's hour of an organic conversation as we are demystifying yoga. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Wokehi. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Pete, you were mentioning breath, mm. meditation, and exercises, those postures, those asanas. But you also touched on Ayurvedic. This whole tradition came from India, is that right? Correct, yes. <clears throat> and Ayurvedic is really the world. Actually, we had a show on Ayurvedic medicine um, a year ago. I, th- I believe a few months back, who dreamt all that up? When you say that it predates the Buddha, who yeah. came up with a with a pose, for example, downward dog, yeah. where you stretch your hamstrings? It's one of the basic poses in in yoga, and for me as a you know thirty year soccer player, one of the hardest still to deal with. Um, there are much more complicated poses, which because of my body seem a little easier. Those simple poses are sometimes breathtakingly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, who 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 came up with all that? Well, I'd like to say we're standing on the shoulders of giants. We've All this philosophy has been handed down to us for, for thousands of years. And, um, you know, the first kind of writing, true writing, um, was by a, a guy named Pantajali who wrote the Yoga Sutras, which means the thread of yoga. And, you know, kind of to give you some idea around that, yoga means to union or to, to create a connection between mind, body, and spirit. So, you know, I would say that this has been handed down through generations. If you talk to, to ask for a certain person, Pantajali was the first person to talk about a seated posture. He mentions asana in his his papers just maybe once, and he's talking about a seated posture. 
And then from there, people started exploring different postures where you can, you can calm the mind and be, be prepared for meditation. We are looking at yoga in this hour. How can we stay centered in the craziness of this life? I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Wokehi. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we are speaking with Pete Guinoso, well-known yoga teacher throughout the United States, who even teaches internationally and just returned from a teaching trip to China. And we'll hear all about that when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Spicely Organics offers more than 200 different organic spices and dried herbs to choose from. Classics like oregano and cumin, exotics like aji amarillo, and blends like tikka masala. Spicely helps nourish your body while embracing sustainable, eco-friendly, and ethical practices always. Take wellness into your own hands and creativity into your own kitchen. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at spicely.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. We're looking at our busy lives and we're stretching our bodies and our minds today to stretch our perspective. We are demystifying yoga, our topic in this week's episode here on an organic conversation. And with us is Pete Guinoso, well-known yoga instructor throughout the United States who teaches around the world and is based in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's joining us actually here in the studio with us. Pete, before the break, we were just talking about the history of yoga, where it came from. Um, you mentioned the Yoga Sutras in a very old, several thousand year old book that was written, The Thread of Yoga, beautifully said. You said we are standing on the shoulders of giants of, of thousands of years of people who have continued this practice. In the very early, early days, mm. I read somewhere, and maybe you can help shed light mm. onto that, that it was actually observed what nature does. Mm. And there's, as I mentioned, this posture downward dog, and my dog gets up every morning doing that posture. Mm. Can you can you comment yeah, on that? Yeah, and you, you're true? right on, Helga. The idea of where the observation that people were taking that uh, certain dogs, animals, nature hold, holds uh, the key to kind of how we can express ourselves and explore ourselves in, in, you know, kind of in a creative way is definitely the foundation of what we're seeing now as the asanas or the, the poses, the exercises we do. So an example, there's poses called cobra, you know, and cobra looks like a little bit like a cobra or downward dog looks like a dog going in, you know, pushing back. Yes, and so um, our, <laughs> our we're, as we practice our yoga, we're reconnecting to our, our essential nature and uh, the nature that's all around us as well. Not only our essential nature, but nature around us. Well, and I think that it evokes mm, it evokes the spirit and the energy of mm. that animal too. Because when I think of something like um, Easy Bird of Paradise, well, Bird of Paradise is a is a flower, but mm. it's such an elegant pose, and there's so much balance that's required in Can it. Can you it explain that so pose serene. for? I know. Actually, can I can I have our, our expert explain that pose? Okay. <laughs> what does it look like? It is example? if you came into a forward fold with your legs spread wide in a forward fold, you would wrap your arm around you and create a bind, and then stand up in this bind and spread the reach the, the leg up to the sky. Oh, that's so. That's the first hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's first pose I teach pose. in every class, right? Yeah. yeah. It's an advanced pose, but it does, it, it reminds me of a water bird standing on one leg, mm. right? And that stretch, and and it's so delicate, and yet it's so strong at the same time, and it just, it feels like it's bringing that calm and centered nature of the animal. Mm. And the, the playfulness, there are many poses that are, you know, handstands, headstands. At one point in life, when we leave childhood, I would say on average, nobody goes upside down anymore for mm. the rest of mm -hmm. their lives. So for, you know, average lifespan, 70, 80 years, 
for 10 years you do all these you know jump overs whatever mm. and then for 60 years you don't get upside down anymore and from blood circulation and we will talk about the real proven medical benefits of those postures and poses it really brings out the 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 childness the non-age um, into your life again very very fun well, Pete, can you tell us, you were saying a little bit about the word yoga means union, but what is the objective of yoga in a kind of broader sense? How can somebody translate this to know that it will bring benefit to, to them? That is a really, really amazing question, this objective of yoga. And it seems almost kind of like a paradox because the objective of yoga is just to be present. And when we were thinking about the objective of yoga, we just kind of take our way out of being present. But there's uh, something in yoga called the eight-limb path. And the eight-limb path is, is uh, something that Pantajali, from, who wrote the Yoga Sutras, put together to create a, a, a path for us to take uh, when we're practicing yoga. And the final objective of the path is samadhi, which means to connect with everything, to connect with the divine. So as we practice yoga, we are breaking down all the barriers between ourselves and other people and we are moving in this, a, a, a way of bliss and of joy, of, of, of a true fruition, of evolving into a, a, an enlightened being, so to speak. That sounds a little bit kind of, a little bit far out there, but samatihi or union with the divine is, is one of the primary objectives. But I'll just kind of step back a little bit though. When I first started practicing yoga, I was an athlete and I came to yoga because I, you know, I've been running for 30 years. I was a wrestler. I played soccer like Helga did, you know, and so I wanted to find some type of way to be flexible. And my objective in that moment was to get flexible and get strong. And I found it just rocked my world. And then I started finding, you know, I remember my girlfriend at the time who was a yoga instructor asking me, what do you think of yoga about two months into it? And I said, it's a great workout. And she kind of laughed. She kind of chuckled. I'm like, what do you mean by that? Like, why is she laughing at me? And then six months into it, I realized this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> six months into it, I found this amazing benefit that I can, I, it's really hard to describe. You know, if you practice enough, you practice um, diligently as Patabi Joyce says, one of the the founders of yoga on, on the West um, says, practice and all is coming. And it's true. All is coming. Everything. And it doesn't matter how you get into it, right? As a yeah. athlete that needs stretching, which was exactly my path too, or if you are older and you just yeah. want um, that, you know, quiet time for yourself, there are as Sita said in the beginning, yep. any body type, any age, it has nothing to do with your level of athleticism. So it's really, yes, it will find you the mm. way you need to be found. And actually, I love what you said, Pete, when, you know, meeting the divine, it is it, it on that mat when, when we talk about, or even in meditation sitting, you do find your own inner wisdom and inner enlightened being in, in that sense. It doesn't need to be anything outside of you it's very peaceful when you finish your practice and you've done what you've done mm. with a good teacher that you really like and connect with on that mat with yourself, well, being guided and held in, um, in that community. It's an amazing experience. And I know that on this program, we talk a lot about gardening and we talk a lot about cooking. And the example I like to use is when you're gardening, your main overall objective is to make some pretty amazing fruit. But there's so many. But your first objective is I got to weed, weed the garden and yeah, turn prepare over the, soil. the soil. Yeah, exactly. Or and then you have to weed and water the garden and, and fertilize it, and you have to prune off what the dead. And so that's what our yoga is like, right? There's these objectives along the way, and the main fruition is to get to the space where I'm eating the fruit off the vine, and that's true with our practice as well. The, the, the fruit is the yes, the every, connection every with, day. Yeah. Well, the everyday thing Wonderful. is an interesting point to bring up, too, because things that I've heard both Helga and Pete say about yoga is that when you come to the mat, it's the sense of coming home mm. or feeling as though this is the only thing that you need in this entire world is this space for yourself on your mat because you've made that connection with yourself and that's what sustains everything. We want to hear about the benefits of yoga, of the disciplines of yoga. We heard it's breath, it's meditation, and it's physical exercises along Ayurvedic practices where you have a very specific body type and, and spirit type diet and lifestyle. But we are taking a mini break for our very own. Actually, we just talked about cultivating the garden, the inner garden. Here's the world of produce brought to you by our very own produce expert, Mark Mokehi, with What's in Season. 
what's in season is summer pears. Those pears that you don't have to wait around and squeeze with the top of your thumb to find out if they're ripe because they definitely tell you. And on the line, we have Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce in San Francisco, California, the voice of the market, calling to tell us about what's going on with Bartlett Pears. Hey, Earl. Hi, Hi, Earl. Welcome. Yes. So with pears on the West Coast, the, the region is pretty much north of Sacramento up to Oregon and Washington. And in those areas this year, we had a lot of different uh, uh, weather patterns. Uh, some had a moist spring and some had a dry spring. The moist spring caused a little bit of problems for uh, the trees that get bloom and their production is a little down. Other people had a warmer spring that actually uh, brought the fruit on and created some great sizing. But so either way, you know, the production is about stable with previous years, and we can see some pretty even pricing and good sizes. So uh, you may see less of the medium-sized Bartlett and a little bigger ones now, which, you know, for me as a Bartlett lover, I think more is better when, when it's in your hand. Um, one of the keys, of course, to Bartlett pears is that they ripen from the inside out. So when you're looking at a pear, after it loses that deep emerald green that starts to soften to a golden uh, color, that's a good indicator for ripeness. Yeah, well, and so, Earl, what's the season like for Bartlett's this year? Well, it's good. It's good. Um, I, think the, I think the little production that has been lost is fairly uh, stable every year. You always use a little bit. So we're going to see prices under a dollar a pound when it, when it really flushes, and that, and that period is really August, September, October, pretty much uh, – Till the end of the year is is the best time for Bartlett pears. Okay, and and I'm going to say actually because actually I, while I love Bartlett pears from other parts of the country, yeah. I do love Bartlett pears from California, and so well, if you can get them, they're definitely Lake, worth buying. I think Lake, I think Lake County even has yeah, the best. Lake County may be the best. What a good recommendation. Great, great. Thanks, Earl. Appreciate it, it. Look forward to talking to you again next week. Uh, have Excellent. a great weekend. Thanks, Earl. Thank you, Earl. So Bartlett pears, yes, they're those first pears. There's a few D'Anjus out there too, depending on where you live in the country. But Bartlett's are those beautiful golden globes that you see right around this time of the year. They start off green. Now here's the deal: is you want to make sure all pears come green because they're picked green because they don't ripen on the tree. So you're gonna get you're gonna start with that anyway, and. It depends on how you like them. If you like them a little bit crunchy and tart, then you want to eat them a little bit greener. Um, if you like them firm yet moist and just mildly sweet, then choose one with yellow and a slight green tinge. And then there's my favorite, which is slightly firm, but creamy and wonderfully juicy. And that's when it's just um, at yellow with maybe just that little tiny little red blush like you told it a really funny joke or something like that. And the really key thing about Bartlett pears, stick your nose down in that display. They have the most intoxicating, sweet aroma. And as a matter of fact, I think the smell of Bartlett pears can actually change your mood. Uh, They are just so erotically beautiful as a ripe pear. You just, you will find yourself eating them in the store. So Bartlett pears right now, when you get them home after you've had that experience in the store, Get them home, find a nice, cool, dark spot to let them ripen slowly, and don't forget where you put them, of course. And then once they're ripe, handle with care, and then enjoy the bite and the scent and revel in the changing season as we go from summer to fall. And that's what's in season. And Bartlett's Paris, it's where it's at. Thank you, Mark. Mm-hmm. Mark Mulcahy, our on-staff produce expert extraordinaire. Yes, Bartlett Paris, love him. Our topic today is yoga demystified. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we're joined by Pete Guinoso here in the studio, who's a world-traveled yoga teacher, U.S. known and based here in the San Francisco Bay Area, who was able to come to the studio today to demystify the world of yoga. Uh, We talked about the history, Pete, with you, talked a little bit about the different disciplines breath, meditation, and exercises. Usually when people hear yoga, they think of sweaty yoga studio, and we will dive into that a little bit more. But studies have shown now the benefits of meditation. There was a great article about a year ago where they uh, measured the neural pathways of what happens to people in meditation and clearly showed the stress relief. Can you talk briefly about breath, meditation, and then we get more into the exercise part as we want to take the fear away and make it accessible to everyone in this hour. 
what do you do in, in breath work and why, why is it beneficial? So there's many ways to approach breath work in a yoga class. One of the first ways you practice breath work is something called ujjayi breath, which is this just kind of like this really deep breath that's a breath of sound. And that is a way to help you stay present. It's also a way to start to downregulate your nervous system. Most of us as Americans, we kind of have this fight or flight kind of energy going on where we're really stressed out. And one of the ways we work with that is by calming, using our calming breath to bring us back into the present moment. And that's just one example of a pranayama. There's many different pranayamas that can elicit different responses. Pranayama, uh, pranayama is... is breath work. Yes, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I was just about ready to ask the yeah, same question. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're talking to Yoga Geek right yeah. here. I apologize, guys. Pranayama party is not a pajama party. <laughs> yeah. It's a breath party. Yes. yes. Great. Yes, and focusing on your own breath as the only sound in that moment in mm. your body, uh, with you know all the experiences that we usually have around in our lives, is already an amazing experience for some people. Mm. I remember when I really intently listened to my own breath. It was like, wow, I'm breathing. Mm. I am. Yeah. I'm here. Mm. <laughs> Beautiful. And I think that. If you're doing a discipline like Bikram, which Mark talked about, which is in a very hot studio, or we'll talk some about the other disciplines in a little bit, but some of them that are more vigorous or in a heated room, that breath becomes so essential because like Pete was saying, it helps to downregulate your system. And I've heard instructors say, you know, sip your breath, drink your breath, and it, it helps you calm down and stick through the heat or stick through the, the physical exhaustion of it because it reminds you to keep putting energy and life force back into your body, even though it's challenging. Yeah, and it tells you how far you've pushed if you are in pose and you can't breathe fully anymore and you listen to it, you actually know how far you've gone. How about meditation? What do you and do Well, do and that? just to kind of connect to pranayama one more time, you know, one of the other ways I, I tend to run anxiety energy through my body, you know, I tend to get anxious sometimes. And one of the ways I can help with anxiety is by elonging the end of the exhale, and that helps to downregulate my nervous system as well. So it calms the parasympathetic nervous system. Now you asked the really great question about meditation. Meditation, most of us are not having present moment thoughts. Most of us are thinking about past unpleasant, pleasant experiences or future unpleasant, pleasant possibilities. Yeah, how did I just <laughs> mess this up? And oh my God, how can I fix yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. <laughs> right. Come back. Yeah. And oh and as a consequence, you know, uh, re reality is only happening in the present moment. And so, as a, you know, most of us are not living in the present moment. And guess what? So we're not living in reality. And so meditation is a way for us to become more present. Uh, you mentioned some of the scientific stuff you know, that has happened with meditation that you've observed. So if we're inc incorporating the breath and meditation into the asanas, We are allowing ourselves to quiet our mind. We're, we're creating a, a, a less stressful situation and we're becoming more and more present. We're, li we're living more in reality. And again, you can, of course, you can sit in full meditation pose and that has proven to have additional benefits. But if you can't, if you have you know, some physical challenges or you can't even sit on the ground, yeah. you can sit on a chair, close yes. your eyes, listen to your breath yes. and you are in meditation. Yes. That's all it is right. really to quiet your mind yeah. for a moment and and observe what your little monkey mind throws in yeah. to distract you. It's quite fascinating. <laughs> and, it, and it does. <laughs> oh, it does. <laughs> and it's delicious, actually, if you really take just 10 minutes, yeah. um, you know, once a week to, to find that place and have that for yourself. And when you open your eyes after 10 minutes, the world is different. Yeah. It's really well, and, you know, an I've, amazing experience. I've done a bunch, a bunch of 10-day seated meditation where all we did was sit and for meditate hours. yeah for hours and no talking no reading no writing we ate and that was a good thing we ate but you know when you st when you do that you begin to notice that there's really no advanced meditators we're all beginners walking this path because all the same thoughts come up you just have better tools to work with them and i think that's a great thing for you to say because i remember sitting in there going what <laughs> just be quiet be quiet be quiet be quiet i'm What supposed to be doing really here? concentrating <laughs> right now and being present right now yeah. just be quiet just you know and i was like <laughs> yes i know everybody else in the room is able to get this yeah no no they can't they have the same issues you are Mark. you're listening to an organic conversation i'm helga helberg i'm mark Volkehi. and i'm sita running palomar and we're here with pete Grinoso, u.s known yoga teacher 
teaching forest yoga, which we will talk about in just a few minutes. And we want to look at this. Really, this show became came to us, was inspired by a video that we saw on YouTube where a war veteran, a young guy in his mid-20s, I would think, late 20s, who was told that he would never walk again through the practice of yoga after just a few months was actually at the end of that short film. And you can follow that on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation runs towards the camera. And it's mm. so incredibly moving. He is severely obese because he can't really walk in the beginning of the movie. And, and after shedding 100 pounds and having a daily practice, he, he does what no doctor would think it was ever be possible again. We'll talk about yoga and why it applies really for everyone at any age with anybody, you know, any challenge that we might have in life. Here in an organic conversation today, the week's topic is demystifying yoga. More on that when we come back. Stay tuned. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Spicely Organics emphasis has long been on the natural health benefits of organic spices. And now Spicely is excited to share more health benefits with the introduction of their hand-blended organic teas. Choose from black, green, white, mate, oolong, pu'er, and herbals blended with their signature spices like vanilla rooibos, sweet turmeric, and honey lavender. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at spicely.com. Still I look to find a reason to believe Someone like you makes it hard to live without Somebody else, someone like you Makes it easy to give Never think about myself If I gave you time to change my mind And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. We're in the busyness of the year end, and we are looking at that little bubble of happiness to stop the craziness of life for maybe just a couple hours a week. We are demystifying yoga today here on an organic conversation. And before we go back into our conversation with Pete Guinoso, well-known yoga teacher throughout the U.S. and internationally traveled and teaching and just coming back from China We'll hear all about that in a minute. First, here's our very own Sita Rani Palomar, Chef Sita, with her holistic bite. Well, the subject of detox seems to be on everybody's minds lately. And mine too, actually, because we had a show last month on skincare and how detox can be a benefit. And I understand that for a lot of people, cleansing can be very daunting. It has a perception of being very extreme, very rigid, very ongoing application and, and limiting. But I did a I did a 40 days of yoga workshop with Pete Guinoso a couple of years ago, who's our guest on today's show for demystifying yoga. And it incorporated a very mindful and gentle cleanse that was the easiest cleanse I've ever implemented. And I want to share with people kind of the, the lighter side, the gentler side of, of detox and cleansing. And so what we did was we cut out kind of the big six allergens, sugar, alcohol, caffeine, gluten, meat, and dairy. And not necessarily allergens the way that we know them, but the things that are most taxing on the body. And the focus was really on whole foods and particularly vegetables, which is how I structured my cleanse because I have a pretty clean diet to begin with. And so what I did was um, really focusing on how I can make those vegetables into a main course and really satisfy me. And so these really quick but satiating meals I created included things like steamed butternut squash with basil cannellini bean pesto or roasted Mediterranean vegetables like eggplant, zucchini, and onion with mushrooms and a marinara sauce or a collection of Asian vegetables cut into matchsticks, which is like my most favorite super fun shape, <laughs> um, like carrots and broccoli and snow peas with bell peppers and then topped it with a sesame ginger vinaigrette or a spicy almond sauce. 
And it was all so easy to prepare because it was just simple and vegetable based. And I didn't really have to spend much time sauteing and deglazing. And, you know, it's it really saved me time in the kitchen that I wasn't used to having. And at the same time, I felt so deeply nourished and really nurtured, too, because with something as simple as steamed vegetables and a really delectable sauce over top, you you feel like the food is, is so clean and uncomplicated that your body has more energy to focus on the cleansing and detox process. And that is, you know, not spent doing digesting something that's a little bit heavier. So it's also not without its sweets. It doesn't mean that you have to give up absolutely every creature comfort. I mean, you want to avoid the refined and processed sweeteners like white and brown sugar and corn syrup and opt for things like organic maple syrup and brown rice syrup and raw local honey if you do honey. And we have a couple great recipes for super simple sweets like that um, on an organicconversation.com, my cinnamon chili sweet potatoes, and also an easy flax pudding for a sweet fix at breakfast or for dessert. And um, these kinds of cleanses are like a yoga practice where they can meet you wherever you are. And you can find something that works for you. So if you're looking for tips, feel free to reach out to us, share at organicconversation.com, and make your practice and your diet something that works for you so you can enjoy faster and longer lasting benefits. I'm listening to the, what you're saying that was this cleanse diet. And I was going, when are you going to start getting into the cleanse part of it? I was just listening to it going, this is <laughs> delicious. Okay, there's, there's a sounds recipe so book good. that I could easily be following. That sounds delicious. <laughs> that sounds delicious. I was going, when do you get into the, the part that you know, it's, it's supposed hard. to be, it's supposed and, to be yeah. hard? That's so fantastic. <laughs> That's what I want to hear, Mark. <laughs> Thank you, Sita. That's Sita's Holistic Bite. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And with us is Pete Guinoso. In this hour, we are demystifying yoga. Pete is a well-known yoga teacher who just returned from China. And um, Pete, you were so gracefully explaining all the different disciplines. There's breath, meditation, uh, the benefits in our daily lives, even if we can just sit on a chair with our eyes closed, listening to our own breath and trying to quiet the mind for 10 minutes. That already has an effect on our overall well-being and how we manage to deal with the day. When we get into the exercises, I said before the break that this whole show was inspired by a war veteran in his late 20s who was told that he would never walk again, who followed a very strict yoga exercise, started with that, was completely obese before, and at the end of the movie did something that the doctors told him he would never be able to do again, is walking without crutches, and actually he runs towards the camera. Can you talk about the poses and, and what they address? Really good question. Uh, there's many uh, things that the poses address, you know, but let me back up a little bit and just recognize that there's many different paths that we can approach yoga. The main path that we're focusing on in the United States is something called Hatha Yoga. And within the Hatha Yoga system, there's many different uh, styles of yoga. And uh, the poses can address, um, you know, increased strength, flexibility, they help uh, with weight management. We just talked about a cleanse a moment ago. Improve circulation, cardiovascular conditioning. Well, they can help with pain relief. In fact, they showed studies that if, you, if many people that uh, find pain, they have a hard time moving, moving. But once they start, they can use yoga to start moving and they start feeling better. And so people that are in pain need to move. And that's the hardest thing for them to do. It helps with stress relief, better breathing. So all these things. So you and I both got into it from a more athletic yeah, place right. of just needing a stretch exercise in our lives and finding so much more with it. But um, there are poses, for example, where you do left or right bending, right? You, you mm -hmm. kind of um, twist your body, you sit down or you stand up and somehow you, you twist your body from two strong legs, the upper body completely turned to one side or another. Mm -hmm. What does that do, for example? Really good question. And uh, all these poses can help in different body functions. What you're talking about is a twist, essentially. And a twist can help with digestion. It can help with uh, cleaning the system out. It can help with helping with ease the lower back pain. It can help provide more space in your rib cage. You know, all these things can help certain areas and certain uh, functions of your body. So how does stretching, posing, mm -hmm. twisting yourself in a pretzel, doing a downward <laughs> dog? Well, no, because I'm listening and this is still a new world for me. How does it actually do that? Mm -hmm. 
that or any any doesn't have to be that particular pose, but how does any pose actually give you better digestion or better circulation or better any of these things that you brought up? Well, one of the things, the tenets of practice in yoga is recognizing that it's all connected. So the, the poses that you're doing can benefit, say I'm doing a, a stretch that's a forward fold. It's just kind of coming into a simple forward fold. I'm stretching my hamstrings. But I'm not only stretching my hamstrings, I'm also stretching the back, my lower back, which gets into my kidneys, which can help stimulate the kidney energy as well and can help support your kidney function. So when, when we're doing any physical asana, there's, there's an underlying effect that it's having that you might not necessarily know because we're so focused on the, phys, the, the phenotypical approach to the practice, the physical practice. Yeah, and in the twists you mentioned earlier, um, the, the whole digestive tract, yeah. physically squeezing it mm. and then releasing again the lymphatic system, which only works if you, if you have physical exercise. It's not pumped like the heart. It's just stagnant if you don't move it yourself. All that is addressed through yoga as well, right? Yeah. Correct. Well, and with inversions, we were talking exactly. about a little bit earlier, Helga, you said we do flips and cartwheels when we're young, and then we kind of stop going upside down. But there are inversions, which is where your head is below your heart. Your, heart. your head is below your heart. Pete, can you talk about the benefits of inversions? There's so many great things about inversions. Uh, <laughs> it depends on what you're doing. And I jokingly say that most people walk onto the mat and they call them aversions. No, inversions <laughs> yeah right we're not we're working well, through fear really. yeah <laughs> so inversions is a way for us to, to bring our legs uh, above our heart and bring our head below the heart and one of the great things about it is one it helps bring you more present if you think about it if you go upside down you're not present guess what you're falling over pretty quickly <laughs> oh yeah yeah that That's equilibrium <laughs> by the way yeah. easy to measure <laughs> Just to remind you, you should be present with yeah, that. Bonk. Oh, yeah, bonk. Yeah. Secondly, it helps with um, the, the cardiovascular system because the, the body has to kind of shift the way it's approaching, pumping the blood into our extremities, and so it helps kind of please cardiovascular function. Yeah. Uh, secondly, it can help and work with um, improved circulation too as well. So there's there's many different to things. To the brain, which for some of us is a huge benefit. <laughs> for me, for sure. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you were talking about back bends and yeah. uh, I'm not sure if that was the focus of your trip to China but yeah. I know you're working a lot with back bends what why back bends it seems like there's a lot in yoga on on that back bend and again it's something we don't do in adult lives yeah. um, being flexible enough to you know bend backwards well back bends are a way for us to open up our heart and open up our chest and um, if you think about it most of us spend our life looking down at the computer or, or maybe we have kids and they're young kids and we, we're spending the time picking them up and carrying them. Our shoulders are kind of rolled under and backbends is a way for us to start opening up our shoulders and our chest. And most of us also live a life of where we're not connecting into, as I mentioned earlier, our truth or what our heart has to say. We're so focused on what our head has to say. And backbends <laughs> are a great way for us to start to open up and listen to our intuition, our heart center. Mark, you're doing Bikram. Yeah. Yeah, um, which I love the heat, actually. And What I, is that? Like, well, I actually started it, they call it hot yoga, and I, you go into this room and you do 90 minutes of different poses, and and I did it because I felt like I was inflexible. I wasn't that the flexible because you guys were so muscle-bound. It was because I felt like my hips, I couldn't quite move them the way I wanted to move. I had very little flexibility, and so I thought, well, the only way to potentially get flexible is either release something or or move my body in a way that'll open that up. And I didn't know what that would really be when I got in the studio, but what I found was by being in the heat, it actually relaxed me um, more than, and I haven't been in another practice, so I don't know what that's like, but I really enjoyed being in that intensity. And so... What are the different ones? What is Yeah, if somebody listens to the show, wants to start, and Sita, you were saying you pick up a program. and Yeah, you look at a studio schedule, and you're like, okay, what is Anusara? What is Vinyasa? What? I thought that was the teacher's name. <laughs> exactly, yes. It actually is in most cases. But um, And this is such a packed show. You were not kidding, Pete, that we could talk about this for 12 days or 12 hours. You know, when you read that flow classes mm -hmm. versus what's the – how can people choose? Well, how do they get started? You know, Mark mentioned Bikram. Bikram is a great way to for the beginner to because it has 26 poses that you review over and over again. So it gets you connected to the poses. It's hot. It's great for flexibility and strength. 
Uh, we have restorative yoga that's great for people that might be a little bit older and out of shape that they want to do the, the practice a little more chiller. And it's more like going to almost like my friend called it a spa day. <laughs> we have uh, my teacher, Anna Forrest, who teaches forest yoga that's all about strength and connecting to spirit and breath work. Uh, we have vinyasa, which is really big in, in San Francisco. That's about uh, moving with the flow of the breath. We have, uh, God, I could go on and on. We have uh, Flow, which is similar to Vinyasa. We have Anasara, which is connecting to grace. We have, uh, God, yeah, it goes on and on and on. Well, and I think that knowing that you can do a restorative pose if you have something like back pain, hip pain, arthritis, and then slowly doing that practice over time will help to heal. Yeah, just start somewhere. Pick up, look at the yoga studio in your neighborhood, pick a teacher. If you don't like it, try something else. Ask friends what works well for them. And you don't necessarily have to wear that outfit either yes you i can tell you as personally. mark can attest <laughs> yes yeah you don't have yeah thank exactly. you pete yeah. thank, thank you, so you for, joining for joining us, us. and <laughs> trying to demystify yoga it's such a big world and yes. you did a wonderful job yes. and if you want to follow pete's work um please go to pete g that's p-e-t-e-g yoga.com a wonderful uh, yoga teacher that would be a good way to start actually yeah. pete g yoga Thanks for joining us Thank today. Thank you. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> well, then I think it's time for us to go, huh? Uh, Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, I was thinking about the the time commitment that it takes to take on any kind of practice, whether it's a regular workout or yoga or meditation. For me, those two in particular, because it can on the outside look like it's two hours of your time and you think, I just don't have two hours to give away from my day. But I found that when I make that investment, even though it's a two hour investment, every other hour of my day is more productive because I took the time to center. I'm giving myself a tremendous gift. Yeah, and it, it doesn't just look like two hours of investment. It is two hours of investment. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I uh, exercise regularly, you know, almost every day, and it is a lot of time. But you're right. It's, you know, this, this life is work, and however you spend your time working, I can tell the days I'm not working out, and I don't get any more done, and I don't feel as good. So, yeah, so worth it. Oh, and you know what I got from this show and recently and is that, it takes, we're so busy that to be present, we're always ta- talking about being present in the world and being present with each other. And you ha- there's a commitment to that, to be actually stop and be present with somebody or yourself. And that's what I've decided that I want to be more present in the world and my yoga practice is uh, helping with that. Yeah, that's work. That takes real work. This life is real work. Show up. Well, the Buddha says that this life is hard, but the second you accept that fact, it becomes a lot easier. <laughs> yes, and on that, that note. Yeah. <laughs> so that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.